0: Welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host Tim Montemps, National NBA Editor for the Washington Post. Coming to you today from Oklahoma City, where I had a conversation with my friend Fred Katz, who covers the Thunder for the Norman Transcript. The Thunder have been off to a really interesting start to the season. They're seven and nine, uh, but have a statistical profile similar to that of the Boston Celtics, uh, except for one uh, very clear difference: where the Celtics are maybe the best clutched are are the best clutch team in the league, uh, and the Thunder are easily the worst. Uh, so we spent a lot of the, the conversation we had talking about that, uh, as well as we talked about the, the integration of Russell Westbrook with Paul Georgia Carmelo Anthony, how Westbrook looks, uh, how the Thunder bench looks and just generally the state of the Western Conference. Also got a typically awful Fred joke in at the end, as well as a rant from him about awards. So uh, the last two minutes of the pod definitely went a different direction than I expected, but Fred's really good. Uh, does a great job covering the Thunder. And it's a fun listen. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it. But with that, so enough from me, and let's get to my conversation with Fred Katz. All right, Freddie, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we're both in Oklahoma City. You obviously are here always uh, covering the Thunder. I'm here for Thunder Warriors on Wednesday, and it, it's kind of an interesting game. For me to drop into, not only because it's obviously the first game between these two teams this year, after you know some pretty lopsided games last season, which we'll we'll get to in a bit. But for me personally, I just was in Dallas Monday night. Uh, I was going to go up Wednesday morning, so I, I was in Dallas Monday night watching the Celtics improve their win streak to uh, sixteen in a row with a yet another come from behind victory over the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, The fifth time in 10 games, the Celtics have come back from a double-digit deficit. They continued their amazing performance in the clutch. They're by far the best team in the league in clutch situations. Kyrie Irving has been great late in games. Uh, And the the Thunder, on the other hand, have a fairly similar statistical profile to the Celtics. Uh, Actually are better on offense, or second or third in the NBA, I think, in defense. Uh, But have been a complete disaster in crunch time and have lost six of their nine games uh, 6 six third 9 losses have come with double-digit leads. So uh, just from your standpoint, obviously that's become a huge talking point, not just here, but around the country. What do you think is the main reason that the Thunder, you know, especially after last season when they were incredible in late and close situations, really why Russell Westbrook, in my opinion, won MVP, what has been the differences here that's led them to be so disastrous in
1: those situations so far? It's incredibly weird. Like, it's amazingly weird. It's almost like they caught something from the Celtics because like they, they were they were in a great situation. They were they were four and three. They were coming off. They crushed Chicago in Chicago, which is like whatever. It's the Bulls. But still they gave up sixty-nine points and played really well. And then they killed Milwaukee in Milwaukee. And that's a really good win. They won by yeah, 19 points in Milwaukee. They played extraordinarily well. One of the arguably the probably their best performance. Performance of the season. Then they come out against Boston at home and they're up 18 at the half. And it's like, man, they put it together. They, they've got it. They're, they're really good. And then Boston comes back and beats them. And their are only three wins since then or against a, the Clippers. You can't beat anybody right now. You know, Dallas, who is one of the worst teams in the league and Chicago, Again, who's one of the worst teams. Yeah, those in the those and, might actually be the three worst teams in the NBA right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And those are their only three wins since since giving up that game to Boston. And and it's just it it's a weird thing. I, it's not always the same thing. I mean, you know, people will talk about and and rightfully so, how early in the game they move the ball pretty well and the offense just looks a lot more cohesive than later in the games, especially during crunch time. They and something I've harped on a lot. They go into isolation a lot. They average a higher percentage of their plays come in isolation than any other team in the league, according to uh, according to Synergy right now. And on those plays, whether, and these are these are just plays that end in isolation, whether they end on a pass, whether they end in a shot. On those plays, are the 21st most efficient team in the league. So it's not even like they're doing isolation within the isolation well. And uh, I, I think you can goat them into a lot of isolation by switching on them. Like if I were another team, I would just switch on them all the time and just be like, okay, Melo, exploit this, you know, small guard. Like San Antonio did that. They have Patty Mills guarding Mellow, and Mellow just posts him up at 14 feet and shoots a turnaround. That's like, if that's what you're going to get out of this offense, then... I, I would try to bait them into into those sorts of matchups as often as I possibly could, and, and I think late in games that's kind of working. On top of the fact that the defense has this weird trend where it's regressing throughout games too. They have an 84 defensive efficiency during first quarters right now, which is like so far and away the best figure in the league. And the defense on the whole is still really good, but they have an 84 defensive efficiency in the first quarter and it's number one in the league. And then each ensuing quarter they're just way worse. And then somehow they have the 24th best defense in the fourth quarter. That that one, I'm not quite sure why it's happening. It might just be random, uh, but that's a that's a why well, I would I too. would say it's partly
0: because they're they're
1: getting their butts kicked in
0: these late and close situations every game. Right. I mean, that that in a small sample, especially if you're struggling like that, I mean, that that's, you know, it might just be shot shots or something but i mean it, it does it does certainly fall in line with the fact that they're not winning any of these these close games i mean they're they're one and eight in games that are within five points of five minutes to go uh the only team that's worse than them is dallas who's oh and nine uh you know the clippers are one and seven every other team's got at least two wins most teams have at least three or more so yeah i mean it, it that, that part at least does fall in line with the rest of the, pro, the statistical profile, which is that for whatever reason, this team just can't get out of its own way at the end of games.
1: Yeah, it, it is a weird thing. And, and, you know, there are certain things that we're seeing, like, you know, there have been two fourth quarters of, you know, you talk about those like really close games. Like there have been two fourth quarters. It was the one in Denver and then uh, in San Antonio, Paul George got one shot in each of those games in the fourth quarter. And that's just something where it's like I think sometimes they forget about him. And he's at the very least been their most efficient player this year. I think he's been their best player this year. I don't even think it's quite close, to be honest, because with the way that Westbrook is playing on both sides of the ball and 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 Mello Mello has been better, I think, than people have given him credit for. But just with the way that George has been defending, he's been tremendous defensively this year. He's shot the ball well. I mean, when he's going well, he's he's so fluid and so good. And they just have this tendency of getting away from him late because I don't think he really on a personality level demands the ball the same way, or even on a, on a skill set level demands the ball the same way that, that Russell Westbrook and, and Carmelo Anthony do. And there are just certain inconsistencies, which I think they know they have to get better at. And they just haven't found that way to do it so far.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you, you look at their, I'm looking at their, their on and off court summaries right now by net rating. And, uh, you know, like they've been a lot better. Not surprisingly, when Westbrook plays, they've been they've been better. When Carmelo plays, they've been a little worse. When Paul George plays and when he's on the bench, they've been you know a little worse with Robertson. But then they're they're way worse when Stephen Adams plays. They're way worse when Raymond Felton plays. They're way worse when Patrick Patterson plays. Um, you know it. it but none of their guys have really terrible numbers. Like their net ratings aren't bad. I mean, it, it, it is just kind of a a, a hodgepodge of uh a hodgepodge of stuff. It's not like you can look at it and go, okay, like their bench is particularly bad. Like I think their bench has had issues, but um, you know, they're not, their bench isn't on the court in uh, at the end of games when they're struggling. I mean, if anything, you would have thought that uh, the addition of Paul George and Carmelo would have allowed them to be, you know, probably not quite as good as last season anyway, because that was kind of a crazy outlier of success in late and close situations. But you certainly would have thought that the addition of them would have given, you know, a little less, uh would have allowed you know opposing teams to take a little less attention to Westbrook and therefore um you know potentially allow the, the Thunder to have some more success but you know it's almost worked in reverse where they've just looked all over the place and uh, and really just out of sorts. Now it, you you kind of you kind of touched on this with the Paul George comment um, that you think he's been easily their best player. I wanted to ask you about Westbrook because um, he obviously had the PRP injection in his knee right before camp, missed most of camp, and you know I haven't I haven't seen the Thunder up close other than the Kings game, which is another game they blew late. Um, and I, Westbrook to me just doesn't quite look the same this season. No, it does. And may, and maybe he was never going to look the same cuz last year was such a, you know, you know, such an unbelievable performance and, you know, probably largely fueled by anger from him uh over what happened the prior summer that that maybe he just was maybe that season's never going to happen again and that's certainly understandable. But um in examining Westbrook, uh you know, what do you think what do you think the biggest issues are with him? Do you think it is a carryover from the summer? Do you think it, it's something to do with trying to allow these other guys to fit in? You know, cause like looking at his numbers quick before you answer, I mean, obviously his raw numbers are going to be down with the addition of, uh, of Carmelo and, and Paul George. he's going to have the ball a little less, but he's shooting 39% from the floor, shooting 32% from three. Um, he's shooting 70% from the foul line. The foul, the foul shooting thing has been weird. Um, you know, his points per game are obviously way down his shots. Everything is way down. Um, and they're even they're even kind of in line with where they were two years ago when Durant was there, uh, but his numbers are all way worse. So so just looking at him, what what do you think the the biggest issue has been that that's kind of had him look as off as he has? Because to me, if you're trying to examine what's going on with the Thunder, I mean, obviously the clutch thing is weird, but to me, this team was like, okay, we added Paul George, we added Carmelo, Russell Westbrook's going to be great. And instead, like, I think those guys have largely been pretty good, like you said. And I think Paul George, from what I've seen, has been great.
1: Um, but Westbrook just hasn't looked the same. No, I mean, it's, it's not even close. And if you want to dive deeper into those, into those shooting percentages, like, his field goal percentage right now is the worst of his entire career. And if you actually go through the breakdown, like, you, you go to the basketball reference and you look at the, the breakdown from where he's shooting in the charts, like, he is from 16 feet out to the three-point line. He's 29%. That is crazy. It is so by far the lowest percentage of his career. On that three to ten, you know, from 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 ten to sixteen feet from the basket, he's he's twenty six percent. And from three to ten feet from the basket, which is like that's the floater for most guards. It's the floater area. Westbrook doesn't really shoot floaters. For him, it's the post up area. Three to ten feet from the basket, he's shooting nine percent. Like not something nine percent. Nine percent it's It is weird. It is weird stuff. And Russell Westbrook has never been. Some kind of elite shooter. Like last year he had, for all the great that he did, and and part of the reason his mid-range percentage was probably low was because he was just chucking so many contested 16-footers. Sure. I'm sure that had something to do with it. Last year he shot 35% from from mid-range, which is a bad percentage. And it was the worst percentage of his career from that area. But like 29% is like unbelievable. Uh, that, that's like, it's really shockingly strange. Uh, it, it, it is really, really weird. And I just, I refuse to believe that that's going to be the case over 82 games because there's just no way that someone that great is going to shoot that poorly for so long. But this is a large enough sample to where we can say like, it's at least weird that he's doing this over any 16-game sample size. It is weird for him to have this large of a shooting slump. Billy Donovan has basically said that... And, you know, if, if Russ is... If something's up with Russ, he's just not the personality to where he's ever going to say it. So right. I, we're never going to get insight from him on that. Or I shouldn't say never. At least during the season. We're never going to get insight directly from from his mind. You know, it's just... That's, that's not going to happen in terms of why why the shot is off or, or whatever it is. Uh, but But Billy Donovan has said... And and this part I do agree with. He's clearly ma- trying to make an effort to get those guys involved. Like he clearly came into this season saying that he wanted to get those guys involved a lot more than he got guys involved last year. And, and though the usage rate is still very high, when you look at it, he's still in the league leaders, he's got like a 30-something usage rate, which is really high, though significantly lower than his record-breaking one from last year. He's still certainly trying to have those times where he's trying to get guys involved. But he also still reverts to former Russ, which is him wanting to come down and chuck up a momentum three with 17 seconds left in the shot clock, which is a really bad shot. And I think he's still figuring out how to balance those two mindsets. Sometimes he goes back to what he was. Sometimes he's he's passing up decent shots. And I think sometimes he just might be hesitant, might not be the right word. Maybe it's indecisive. Maybe it's unsure. Just like he, he, he in the moment is, is thinking about passing while he's shooting or thinking about shooting while he's passing. And it's something that Billy Donovan is, has talked about a lot with what he's doing. And, and I buy that. I think, I think that's something that we're definitely seeing. Uh, but the numbers in terms of just specifically the shooting from him are without a doubt weird because they are just so low.
0: Yeah, I mean he's shooting within you know in the restricted area he's shooting fifty five percent, which is which is low. Uh in the paint six for twenty nine, which is twenty percent. Uh, you know, like you said, seventeen for sixty one in the mid range. Um, you know, jacking up as usual a lot of bug the bake break threes that are missing. Um it, it yeah, it's it like I I mean you would have thought that his numbers would come down somewhat but just the the complete lack of of making shots from anywhere is just strange and i mean do you do you, do you think that that it's you know just kind of a, a regular old shooting slump at this point or do you think that there is something going on where like maybe his knee isn't exactly where he'd want it to be and he's compensating and that's kind of affected his jump shot because he is a guy it's always kind of weirdly jumped a lot when he shoots um, so I could see that having an impact on, I mean, or, I, mean you know, I know we're not doctors or anything, but like, do you have any idea kind of where that, where that does sit in terms of the actual mechanics of what he's doing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, you're not the first person to suggest that to me. Uh, I'm, I'm, if someone t- if if I found out, I'll put it this way. If I found out that something was going on with his knee, then it wouldn't like take me aback. I mean, he did have PRP just before the season started. And the timing of that PRP suggests that they tried to do whatever they could to make it unnecessary. And, uh, and then he ended up having to get it just before the season started and, and missed the very beginning of training camp because of it. And I I think, I, I think just because of that timing, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, but that being said, I haven't gotten any actual indication that that's the case. I think if you look at it there are times where he's like he's never been an incredible he's he's incredible at getting to the rim. He's never been an amazing finisher at least statistically. Right. He, he he'll leave but but it does just feel purely eye test. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe it's just kind of me seeing things that want to fit my narrative and if someone shows me something it shows me otherwise I'll change my mind. But it does seem like he's kind of leaving leaving layups on the rim more often, like easy layups, which he was making last year and the year before that, and the year before that, that he's just kind of not quite getting enough lift on. And, and it is, it is weird to watch the most explosive player that I've ever seen in person miss the, miss those shots. Not, not often, but every once in a while, it's just a little bit out of character and, and, and maybe that, comes back to the hesitance too, you know, because if you were right. playing hesitant, if you're playing hesitant, if you're playing unsure, that's probably something that would happen. So maybe, maybe that is what it is. I don't think it's going to keep up. Uh, I, I don't, because I just, I think he's too great for it to keep up. Like sometimes great players have slumps and, and it's not like he, you know, it's not like shooting has always been, the number one thing that made him great. There are other things I think that everybody would put higher on the list of things that make Russell Westbrook great. But I, I just I can't imagine maybe he'll end up having a bad shooting year this year. That that's looking like it's completely possible. Right. But I just can't imagine it's gonna stay at this level.
0: Yeah, I mean you have to think it's gonna improve from here. I mean, if he if he shoots this badly all season, that would be pretty stunning. Um, you know, even even for, like you said, a guy that's never been known for his shooting. But listen, you know, I do think you know to to be a little conspiracy theorist about all this you know it is interesting that this guy comes into training camp has PRP right before camp then all of a sudden signs his 200 million dollar extension and now like you I'm with you like on the eye test he just doesn't look like the same guy now you know maybe like it's just some kind of a weird slump and he's In his head and trying to get these guys involved and make everything work and as time goes by he looks better but I also think that anybody like you said anybody who's ever watched Russell Westbrook play knows he has become the player he's become you know in large part because he is one of the most explosive guys who's ever played the sport and could just physically do things that nobody else could do and you know he's a guy that not not unlike a guy like Dwayne Wade you start to lose a step in that athleticism and a little bit of that explosiveness all of a sudden it's going to be a lot harder for a guy like that to overcome that as opposed to some other guys now maybe he can as he gets older kind of do what Blake Griffin has done and kind of morph his game a little bit which I I don't think Blake gets enough credit for for the way he's kind of um, you know developed himself into a, a skill guy despite coming into the league as such an explosive guy but that's going to be a tough transition for Westbrook to make if he has to. And, you know, look, these first 20 games or so, it is early. And I, I'm with you. I think overall the Thunder are going to be fine. Their their overall profile is just too strong. Um, but I, I do think that his whole situation, you know, is, is really something that needs to be monitored with them.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that's a I think that's a reasonable – I think it's a reasonable take. I'm just – a lot of it like like people ask me, what's your number one take with this team? Like, are they really good? Are they really bad? Are they the team that builds the leads? Are they the team that blows the <laughs> leads? Like which one, which one are they? And what the like, are they, Fred? My number one takeaway is just they're so weird.
0: That might be the headline on the blog post that goes to this podcast.
1: Fred Katz. <laughs>
0: Fred Katz on the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're so weird.
1: <laughs> they are though, aren't they? <laughs> like they're so weird. It's just like cause the because it's, it's a paradox, right? Like bad, bad teams don't build 20, 15 to 20 point leads in 40% of their game more in more than half of their games, right? Bad teams don't do that. But good teams don't blow double digit leads in 40% of their games, right? So so it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, no matter how you phrase it. It's just so weird is so weird. (laughs) <laughs> it is weird i mean like i said i you know i i watched like i
0: said at the beginning i watched the celtics last night they kind of inexplicably make another comeback late in the game uh you know have a couple you know they made they managed to make the ball bounce their way a couple of times they get a couple steals uh you know a couple calls that should have gone the other way that didn't uh as the, today's last two minute report would tell you um but they they find a way to win these games and the thunder like are almost in reverse finding ways to lose these games like if they had just not if the Celtics had blown a, just not been able to come back in a couple of these games and the Thunder had managed to not blow these leads in a couple of these games their statistical profile would essentially be identical and one team is 16 and two and the other one's seven and nine. If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to WAPO.ST slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I, I, I wonder like, I was talking about this on my podcast. Like, I th- there's some alternate universe which is not that different from this one, with the Thunder at thirteen and three and have the best record in the Western Conference. Like, where they yeah, just didn't, they just that, didn't let it's go of Not that, of that far doubles. away. They just, it's they not just, like they, Yeah, it's I not mean, like they let go of one point leads. You right? know, like, well,
0: like you said, they've had double digit leads to six of their nine losses. So it's it's not like they're it's not like they're you know getting repeatedly. You know, it's not like they've been like Cleveland, where they've been getting run out of the gym time and again. Um, you know, like getting blown out by the the Knicks and the Pelicans and like the magic and the paint, like, you know, the the Cleveland early year was just getting housed by people. And you're like, what the hell is going on with the Cavs? You know, this is, oh, the Thunder look really good in the first half against the Celtics. And then they fall apart or they look really good in the first half against the Spurs and then they fall apart. And you know, it is it is it has been amazing just to see them kind of repeatedly uh you know do the same thing time and again. I mean, it's just it's just been it has been it has been amazing to watch. Now, do you think that it has this gotten to the point now where these guys are in their own heads about this? And, um, you know, once they do get into the last five minutes, it's kind of like, oh, hey, here we go again. Are we going to screw it up this time thing that's kind of, you know, building
1: on itself as they as they manage to do it time and again? I, I don't get the sense that they're at the point when, like, they're up 20. They're thinking, oh, man, we tight- They tighten up. We can't let go of this. I really don't get that sense. I, I do get a sense that they're a little bit casual, though. Like, did you see? Did you see the Paul George like bounce alley oop to Jeremy Grant yes. last night in a, in a okay. game they
0: wound up losing? <laughs> yes. Well,
1: so so they were up twenty five to six on New Orleans and. Twenty-five to six, six minutes into the game, they were just wiping the floor the floor clean with the Pelicans. Right, and the Pelicans made a comeback so quick. And and maybe it is misleading to say they were up nineteen because they were up nineteen. But there's a difference between blowing a lead when you were up nineteen with six minutes into the game versus up nineteen in the third quarter. But
0: if you're up twenty-five to six, six minutes in, while there's a good chance that a team is going to come back over the course of a game. You it's, have a chance also, to make another run, too. Right. Well, and there's also a chance the game's just over in the second quarter. Right. I mean, you could you could have that game over. You know, five minutes into the second quarter, and everybody's just kind of biding time. Then.
1: Yep. No, there's no question. Look, it's, I'm not arguing. It is good to blow in 19. Oh no, I know, nine. I know you're in the first quarter. I know you're not. I know you're not. But but they were they were up 25 to six, and it took the Pelicans nine minutes to eventually take the lead. So the Pelicans took a took a. 38-37 lead, 39-38 lead, something like that was one point. And uh, Anthony Davis free throws, and, and eventually the Thunder get a stop, still down one, and Paul George throws a bat. I mean, it was an awesome play. It was, a, was, it was an was a, awesome
0: play. I, Catches I the decided, ball on a fast break and decides to, for people that didn't see it, the ball gets thrown ahead to him, I think, by Westbrook on a fast break. with, And as Jeremy Grant is running by him, Paul George decides to uh, bounce the ball off the ground as an al oop uh, to Grant for a dunk. Uh, as opposed to just giving him the ball or dunking it himself. It was, it was like out of a, uh, it, it was like something out of a dunk contest. It was, yeah. it was pretty awesome.
1: I decided we should call it a valley oop, which I'm really <laughs> happy with. <laughs> there you <laughs> so, go. I'm really excited about that, but it was an awesome play, but it's like, you just blew a 19 point lead. It took you nine points to do it. And, and Paul George, by all accounts is, is, has been a, a, a good Samaritan here. He has been a good teammate. Uh, he's, he's worked hard. He seems to really want to make it work. But when that happens, when they just blew a 19 point lead, maybe I'm reading into this too much, but I really don't think I am. Like, it's not selfish. I'm not going that far. It's just casual. Like you're, 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 you're letting go of all of these leads and it's just casual. And maybe, maybe there are two ways to look at it. Like, you know, like when you're a baseball fan, right? Yeah. So, like, when Johnny Damon was clipping his toenails in the 2004 ALCS when the Red Sox were down 3-0, everyone was saying, how could Johnny Damon be clipping his toenails? They're down 3-0. Why does he not care at all? And then when they came back and they won four straight and the narrative completely changed, so look at how loose they were. Johnny Damon was clipping his toenails in the day they were down 3-0. So maybe just the fact that they're losing – has made me think that them being casual is a bad thing, and if they were winning, I'd be saying, "Wow, look how loose they're playing together already, and this thing just started but that that just kind of made me think like, hmm, that was like that was a little bit too much on the fancy side, considering the circumstances they're playing under right now,
0: right. No, I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I, you know, it also was the second quarter of a game in November. So I, I think it's, I think it's okay to, to, to not to make a big deal of it either. But, but well, listen, I mean, when, when I you don't walk... mean
1: to, I don't mean no, to no, sound no. like I'm making a big deal no, of that no, I play. Know, I know you're not. I just mean like, I think that was a good and you know, we're writers. We look for like, we look for nut graphs. Well, that sure. was like a good, that was a good encapsulation of showing like, Maybe they're not because they, they're the ones they're always talking about focus being locked, locked in and like, sure. that's not a locked in.
0: moment. Well, and I know? was going to the second part of what I was going to say was you can not make a big deal of that while also pointing to it as, uh, you know, when you are struggling and you're blowing leads over and over again, that that is the kind of moment that's going to stand out to people. If they were 13 and three and rolling along, no one would care. Right. Or no one would think twice about it. Be like, Oh, look at that cool play by Paul George. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a game where you already have given up a 19 point lead and you're on your way to losing, even after DeMarcus Cousins gets ejected, um, you know, it's a play that stands out as what the hell are the Thunder doing? You know, I mean, that's just the natural, that's the, like you, I mean, you, you perfectly sum that up with the Johnny Damon thing. I mean, that's, it's the natural way things work. Uh, when you are trying to decide why a team is struggling, you look for, obvious examples of things like that go hey you know what's going on there you know as opposed if he had just thrown the ball up to jeremy grant nobody would nobody would have thought twice about it or nobody mm-hmm. would have thought twice about it if they were winning all these games
1: mm-hmm. i i enjoyed the play though i was happy it was great that was, i was sitting in dallas and saw the highlights like man that's fun yeah i'm also i'm also very pro jeremy grant getting in the dunk contest
0: <laughs> he would he, <laughs> listen he I am not a, I'm not a huge fan of Grant as a player, but he can definitely jump out of the gym. I mean, it would oh, be Oh, he's an unbelievable athlete. It would, it would be it would be fun to see. Now, we we've kind of talked around a little bit. Um what is your take on the Big 3 just in general? Like where where do you how do you feel like that um how, how do you feel like that experiment has has worked out so
1: far? Um I think the the only argument that I've I've seen that I I really have a problem with is when the, the real hot takers who are saying, "Well, if this doesn't work, then what? W- this wasn't worth it. What was Presley thinking?" That that I I don't buy. That's well, that's like a just that's,
0: that's just very stupid. That's okay. just that's just a very stupid take.
1: We can leave that alone. Okay, perfect. Um, great. Glad we're in agreement. Just by the think, advanced numbers, it
0: looks like they've been lights out. I mean, they in the, in three hundred thirty two minutes on the court together, and their net rating is eight point four. Yeah, which is really which good. Which Is really good.
1: Really good. I I think. I think they are going to make it work. I think they're just maybe I I keep wondering, like maybe it will be good for them if they just, and and I think they very well might just get just destroyed by golden state on Wednesday. And, And I keep thinking like, maybe that's good. Like maybe them just getting rocked by the warriors will be better than if they beat the warriors, because there are certain things that they're doing schematically and systematically, which, which aren't good habitually. Like, I, maybe maybe it can take them to a playoff spot and, and a solid regular season and maybe even a first-round playoff win or something, but it's not going to take them to their peak. Like the isolation stuff, for example, like them wanting to exploit mismatches and playing one-on-one basketball and all that stuff. Like We've seen the greatest, speaking of the Warriors, the, the greatest example of, of what you can see from a team that plays mismatch one-on-one basketball and tries to exploit that versus a team that is going to play more of an more of a cohesive style of offense, is watch a, watch a game from the 13-14 Warriors and then watch a game from the 14-15 Warriors. And it's the same team, and they couldn't look more different because under Mark Jackson, they're just trying to like post up Klay Thompson, and then the next year is when they win 67 and win their first title. And they, they couldn't look more different. I'm not saying that this team is the Warriors by any stretch well, of the to say, I was going to say, if you want
0: to – the counter to that, you can argue, is the 2016 NBA Finals.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: When, when a a team not too dissimilarly built from this one, you know, even though some of the pieces, you know, obviously the pieces of different names, but it's kind of the same concept that managed to beat the Warriors in seven games. I'm not, I'm not saying I necessarily agree, but that is the, that is the pro. There's uh, one, there's one
1: major, there's one major difference. Like one ginormous difference, <laughs> and you, I think you know what I'm going to say, which is going to completely one, destroy one, your argument.
0: One, one team had the best player, maybe of all time, and the other team. Yeah, one doesn't. team
1: had maybe not just the best player of all time, maybe the best player of all time playing his three best games. Yeah, he's no, ever I, know. Played.
0: I know, I yeah. know, so, I know. So, so I was, I, I was, like I said, I was more making that argument from the standpoint yeah. of, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a. Somebody on the Thunder are trying to defend what the Thunder is doing. That would probably be your argument.
1: Yeah, well, I just, I just think that if they're gonna cap out of what they're gonna do, look, they're never gonna play like the Warriors. They don't have that kind of style. But I don't think they have to play to the extreme degree that they've been playing. And they've, I've asked all of those guys a bunch of times about wanting to exploit those mismatches. And for now, like they, they genuinely seem to think that when I get a, you know, if I get a guy who's way smaller on me, on me, or I get a. I get a big on me, I'm gonna take them. And especially, especially Paul George and and Mello. Those guys really specifically seem to have that mentality. And maybe, I don't know, getting back to what I was saying before, like maybe if they if they if if they beat the Warriors playing that exact same way, just because like Mello and and George and Russ all get really hot, and maybe they play a really good defensive game and Golden State doesn't play great and they beat Golden State on Wednesday, maybe that's not good for them in the long term. Like maybe it reinforces all these concepts that they're playing with now, which will not help them pop out in the type of team that they, they really want to be. Maybe if they get rocked by the Warriors, it's a little bit of a wake up call. Like, okay, maybe we should, we don't have to completely change everything, but maybe there are adjustments that we can make to where this isn't quite working, working as well. And, uh, Lord knows Golden State's going to switch against them. And, yes. and so I am, yes. uh, I am, I am very curious to see, uh, I, I'm not really curious to see the result of that game. I'm more curious to see like how they respond to the result of that
0: game. Yeah. I, I'm curious. I am curious about the result because I, I think it would be, I think it could be a pretty big psychological blow to them if they do get routed. Um And like you said, maybe in the long run, that's a good thing. But remember if this team got its doors blown off by this Warriors team four times last year. I mean, people, people tried to make those games out to be big events but they in reality they were like they were big events because they were a spectacle they were not big events because of the games on the court i mean they were the 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 thunder were eviscerated all four times and mm-hmm. You know, look, I think there's little doubt that, you know, part of the reason that the the Thunder were willing to really go all in was not only to try to make sure Westbrook would resign and potentially keep Paul George, too. It was also to prove that they are a team that can actually be a a competitor in the West instead of just floating in as a, you know, back half of the playoff team that gets its doors blown off in the first round. Um, and you know, maybe that will be the kind of thing that needs to wait, that wakes them up if they do need a wake up call. Um, but I I think if they, if they come out tomorrow and get, you know, bushwhacked by the, by the warriors, I I do think it would really start to really start to talk up in earnest about whether it's fair or not about, well, what, you know, what is this team doing? Like, are they actually going to figure this out? Um, you know, it would be, it would to me be really interesting if that, if that did play out that way to see what the, the external reaction would be to it.
1: Bushwhack—that's a solid term.
0: I I try, man. Um, <laughs> you should be a writer. I should be. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you though, um, to to jump jump subjects for a second. Uh, we've been talking since I was here in uh, the preseason in early October about how much I'm concerned about uh, Oklahoma City's bench, and I, I've been looking through some bench line some lineup data right now. I've been on the phone, and um, you know, where do you where do you see? The, the second unit right now, and and of you know as Billy Donovan, you know no lineup has played more than fifty minutes except for actually more than forty seven minutes except for the starting lineup. Uh, you know he's clearly experimenting with a lot of stuff. Where, where do you see that experimenting with the bench going right now? And what what do you think has worked? And and from numbers, it looks like very little,
1: frankly, has so far. Billy Donovan experimenting, please, <laughs> please, please. Billy Donovan is is just. That I, I, I know enough about Billy Donovan as an NBA coach, and I think he's an extremely smart guy. And some people think it's just randomness. It's not. He has a reason for everything because he's so meticulous and, and kind of detail obsessed. If there's one thing I know about him as an NBA coach is that dude is going to play more lineups than every other coach in the NBA every single year. Like it is, it is, I mean, barring injuries, he can have, he can have the same, the same players every single game and play different lineups every single game. Uh, it is, it is amazing. Uh, it's an adjustment every single game, depending on the other team, depending on something I saw that he, that he liked with somebody. It's, it's, it's amazing. So I think that's, that's part of it. It's not just like, like, even if the bench had been consistently great all year, we'd still see a million different bench lines because right. that's just, that's just Billy, right. Uh my biggest concern with the bench—I mean, they're—they're they're without a doubt a little bit thin on the bench. Felton's been pretty good. He's done his Ray Felton stuff, where he's—you know—he's—he's he's taking his bad shots and he's giving—he's he's given them solid minutes at backup point guard as opposed to a, a cavernous
0: black hole, which is what they had last year.
1: I think you can argue it's the biggest upgrade on the team. Like yes. he, oh, for sure.
0: He, I, for sure. And that's no disrespect to the other guys they brought in. It's—I mean—they went from like a triple below replacement level point guard situation to a very good backup point guard situation which is a yeah. huge upgrade
1: felton's been good and my he he's a joy to cover he is <laughs> he is so much fun to cover that dude is just a walk-in quotation it's it's amazing uh my I, I actually think that i was about where you are on jeremy grant right now last year i think he's much improved now he, he's got a long way to go But I kind of see it. Billy Donovan loves him. Billy Donovan thinks he's really good. And I don't know if he's going to be on this team next year because he's unrestricted. And, and, you know, depending on what happens with all these guys, they might have a ginormous luxury tax bill, in which case they're not going to be paying Jeremy Grant. Uh, But but I, I am kind of starting to see it like he's. He's a he's a more disciplined defensive player today than he was last year. Uh, last year, he was just kind of all, all defensive upside. And I think he switches more promptly now. He rotates a little bit more intuitively. He would miss rotations all the time. He chased blocks like crazy. And he still chases blocks every once in a while. But he's just a lot more disciplined now. And he's still super young. He came to the league really young. He's still only 23 years old. So I, I kind of do start to see it now from Grant. He still doesn't shoot. I right. still don't guard him on the perimeter. Right. He's still, though he's more controlled when he penetrates to the hoop, he's still a lot of times very chaotic. He, he doesn't get to the line enough when he drives. and He's like a really bad faller, which is weird for someone who's such a good athlete. Like A scout once told me that you can tell how graceful somebody is not by how he runs, but how he falls. And I always think about that when I watch Jeremy Grant. Because Jeremy Grant can jump out of the gym, but Jeremy Grant is a terrible faller. And I always wonder if that's like so the same trait that makes it so he doesn't get fouled on all these contact plays at the rim. Uh, to me, the biggest disappointment has been Patrick Patterson, who I thought was good. another PRP guy. Or sorry, not PRP, but knee guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, the, and, and, it,
0: and this goes back to something I've been saying for for months, which is that <clears throat> Patrick Patterson, you know, when he signed a, four, a three-year deal for $14 million, people said, holy crap, Patrick Patterson got signed for really little money. Uh, and you know, especially after Taj Gibson, who the, the Thunder traded for last year, signed a two-year deal for twenty-eight million dollars, and I think you've seen as the seasons played out. There's a reason why Patrick Patterson signed for $14 million and why Todd Gibson got fourteen a year over two years. That's because Patrick Patterson last season did not look like himself because of knee issues. And to your point, that has at least so far carried over to how he's played as the season's gotten going.
1: Yeah, he's had some moments where he's had some pretty good defensive games. Like he I thought he had a pretty good defensive game in the one at Denver, which they ended up losing. And and he's had some some solid defensive moments. He hasn't been hitting shots. With him, I don't know how much – like Patrick Patterson, even like when he's been at his absolute best, he has these prolonged stretches where he goes – he's so streaky. He has these prolonged stretches where he goes crazy cold and these prolonged stretches where he's really hot. And sometimes it's hard early in the season to tell if it's just a cold streak, like a really, really long cold streak, which Patterson has a history of having. Or if he is just not going to have a good year this year. Right. So far, he – but he really, he really hasn't been a help through 16 games. I mean, which is surprising to me because there was a time where I was like, like pre Melo, like he was going to be their starting power forward. I thought he was a perfect fit. And I think I was very much in the majority in that opinion. I mean, I think oh, there's, little, thought, there's little doubt that if Patterson
0: can get back to where he was before the second half of last season,
1: th- that's going to be a great contract
0: and he's going to be a perfect fit for what they need. But again, there's a reason why he signed for cheap. Is that teams mm-hmm. were nervous about his knees. And like you said, the Thunder, you know, even before, before Mellow, his role was huge for this team. But even still, like, you, we came into the regular season thinking, okay, they've got their starting lineup. They've got Felton. I thought he'd be their sixth man. Right. They've got Felton and Patterson. I'm like, okay, they've got seven guys. And then, you know, and that's – and probably really they have six guys. And then it's, okay, what do you think, Audrey Robertson? What do you think, Jeremy Grant? What do you think, Alex Abrinas? Like, you know, do they maybe try to go get a guy, right? Like, that. that was kind of what the talk was. Like, all right, they've got, you know – six really solid guys. And if you count Robertson, seven. And, you know, now it's like, well, if Patterson's not there, you know, their backup bigs have then become, you know, if you're going to play Jeremy Grant at center, which, you know, maybe you can do, but it's iffy. And then you've got guys like Dakari Johnson, Nick Collison, and that's it. So, you know, it, 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 he was a sneaky, a sneakily really important piece for them that if he isn't right, could really cause a lot of problems
1: yeah so far, it has caused problems. I mean, I think if he 's there because because he was, he if he 's going right he 's helping on both ends of the floor like right. he, he's not going he 's not going to help your fantasy team defensively, but he can he can do exactly what they want. They switch about as aggressively and about as often as any team in the nBA like they they don 't even need a team to give them, push them through that much resistance to switch. Sometimes someone just comes over and they're so adept to switching. Like, I think they do it too much at times or it's not, it doesn't kill them, but like there are times where you can just come up and like, just make them think that you're going to set a screen. Don't even slip a screen. Just make them think you are going to set one and they just switch. Like they, they switch all the time and, and Patterson's good at that. I mean, he is, he's for, for a power forward. If you're going to play that sort of style, especially in a bench unit where bench units tend to be a little chaotic. They're obviously less experienced guys, and obviously they're just worse guys, more undisciplined guys. That's why they're coming off the bench and they're not starters. And if you can have a guy who's a good communicator like Patrick Patterson, who's extremely stable on those sorts of switches when they switch one through five with their bench unit because they play Jeremy Grant at the five now, like that's a really stable guy to have. And if that guy on the other end can be a 37% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, like all of a sudden you've got who really never needs the ball. You've got a you've got a real piece even if it's for only like 14 minutes a night. But they haven't even gotten that. I mean, sometimes you see it defensively. He's had some some really nice defensive games. Other times it hasn't worked quite as well and and maybe even more importantly, he just isn't hitting his shots at all. Yeah,
0: no, that's very true. I I paused for a second because the the news just came down that uh, Paul Millsap could be out for three months uh, after undergoing uh, surgery on his left wrist for a torn ligament. Um, That is
1: so disappointing. I love Paul Millsap. Well, and
0: that that brings me to the last thing I want to talk to you about and what I'm writing about, uh, which will also be up when this podcast goes up, which is the complete disaster that is the Western Conference now. Um, Yeah. You know, everybody is stuck i think un- incorrectly in this prior thinking that the east is just nowhere near as good as the west and i just don't think that's true anymore i mean yeah you could say that i think the warriors and rockets are better than everybody else in the league and then there's a, a gap and then there's teams like cleveland and boston and and whoever else you want to put into san antonio or whatever um but look like from from Basically, in my opinion, six to fifteen, and you—I you, you, think you could even argue that Portland and Minnesota are in this group too. Like, none of those teams are that good to me. Um, the Thunder have obviously. You know statistically been good but they've been awful late in games uh denver's now lost Millsap for three months maybe uh minnesota plays no defense portland has been all over the place they just lost to the kings the other day uh new orleans uh, you saw them last night demarcus cousins and anthony davis have been unbelievable but they're the rest of their team is terrible um so they're like middling along uh Do you know
1: someone someone told me a joke did you hear the, the pelicans wings joke oh god the, the,
0: <laughs> let's let's hear it let's hear the terrible joke <laughs> it's 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 a really funny joke i'm sure it's so funny
1: I didn't make this up okay but uh how, i'm sure you didn't how 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 can the pelicans fly if they have no wings
0: there there you go brad that's <laughs> uh that's that's really terrible
1: it's a, it's a,
0: it's a, it's a quality Jay. It, it is. A, it, it's quality for you. Uh, <laughs> Mike Conley's now out indefinitely. Memphis has lost five in a row. The Clippers are a disaster. Doc Rivers is, you know, people have been saying he could get fired any day. Now, DeAndre Jordan could get traded. Uh, Rudy Gobert is out for the jazz. Uh, the Lakers are a mess. Uh, the Suns are a mess. The, the Kings and, and Mavericks stink. I mean, the, the, the bottom two thirds of the West is, is to me, just all over the place. And um, I, as somebody who is obviously covering it and and you know looking at where the thunder is, like where where do you see them right now in that hierarchy? And it, has there been some solace around here in the fact that okay, like we're obviously not off to a great start, but look at our competition in the West. Like we have time to sort this out because none of these other teams are any good either.
1: I I haven't gotten that impression, but I think that's just because it's still so early. Like, it's still only 16 games. Like, I think that that's something that would absolutely happen if this continued, if, you know, their struggles continued and and all those other teams, like you said, all those other other teams can continue to struggle as well. Uh, But I don't, I haven't really gotten the impression that they're thinking about kind of the greater playoff picture. I just think it's, I think they still, I, I don't think they're in panic mode about that at all. Uh, they might, they might be nervous about themselves internally, but I don't think they're necessarily worried about, about the rest of it. Uh, yeah, I don't and, even and mean, for-
0: I didn't even mean from a panic standpoint, just like is part of the, like is, you know, teams are always in situations like, um, like the one that the the Thunder find themselves in They're They're constantly saying, all right, listen, it's like, as things are at the end of the world, it's going to be fine. Uh, I, I was just curious if part of that thinking was played out in, Hey, look, look at what is going on here. Like we're, are, we're going to be fine.
1: Oh, that at least, more at I least it, Oh, if, if you're asking my thinking, then yeah. I mean, right. don't they still, don't they still have a legit chance? I mean, it's funny because if you told me the thunder started seven and nine, if you told me before the season, the thunder are going to start seven and nine, here's how it's going to happen. You explained everything to me that happened. You didn't tell me anything else about the rest of the league. Right. And I, I and I just assumed that everything went the way I thought it was going to go in the Western conference. I would say, Oh man, they're going to really struggle to have home court in the first round. Uh, right they they obviously it's not great for them, but they're what three games behind Portland, two and a half behind Portland yeah, that's not that's not particularly insurmountable over they got sixty some odd games where they got to outplay Portland by two and a half games I mean that's that's really not very difficult at all uh so so yeah, I think you're hundred percent right in that, and like it's not like any of these flaws like man, that's disappointing about millsap, I love watching Paul millsap play he's a, he's a great player, but it's not like any of these flaws I mean you know if Denver's not going to have Millsap then that's that's not something that's going to fix like I Tom Thibodeau is obviously a great coach and incredible defensive mind but this is now two years where Minnesota is has been really bad defensively and I mean Towns is 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 weird how he has just got he's not as good now defensively as he was as a rookie which is a weird thing and like you look at these other teams and Portland has been way better defensively than I thought that they would be. I think they might be second in defensive efficiency right now if I'm right. I think the Thunder are just behind them and like or maybe they're fourth or something like that. And right. like and and they've been way better in that front, but they've dropped these games they shouldn't really drop and sometimes they just they look like they play in this malaise, you know? They look like they just kind of have these nights where they they don't have it for whatever reason. And it's almost like a similar thing to the Thunder, although it hasn't been nearly as dire as, right. as it's looked with the Thunder. But it's kind of that similar type of, of of bug that's bitten them at times this year. And, yeah, like I don't I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of these things are more solvable than others. But, like, some of this stuff just kind of seems like, all right, I don't really see how Minnesota is all of a sudden going to be a top 12 or top 9 defense or whatever it would take for them to really put away you know, everyone, but two or three teams in the West. Like, I just, I don't really see that. And the top three in the West will be really good. And I did, I thought San Antonio was going to be down this year. And if Kawhi comes back at a reasonable time and he's Kawhi, then. Well, that's the thing. They, they have, they have been down. (laughs) That's the thing. But everybody else has been so
0: much worse that they're kind of just able to float along. Like, it's not like they're playing lights out. No, but they also don't have Kawhi. No, nope, I mean, what I, no, but that's at least what it's I mean. understandable. Like, without no, 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 that's what I mean. Like, without like, I thought coming into the season they were going to be in real trouble early on because without Kawhi they were really going to struggle. And you've seen their offense has been really bad for the most part, but they've been able to muddle along because a. LaMarcus has been good, and b. A lot of these other teams have just stunk, and so mm-hmm. because they're the Spurs, they've just kind of been able to like outpoint teams like. The Thunder game is a great example, right? Half the, the Thunder up, I think twenty three in that mm-hmm. game looked like a, a totally far superior team, and then completely fell apart. And you know the Spurs walk away with another win, and and just they've kind of just by their pure consistency have been able to stay. Um, have been able to stay afloat when uh, if you'd have told me before the season that Kawhi was going to be out till December and right now it looks like he's going to be out till at least December. I mean, he hasn't, I don't think he's practiced once yet. So, you know, we're already at, you know, December 21st. I mean, it's going to take a while for him to come back whenever he does start to practice. Um, if you told me they were still going to be in third in the West, I'd be like, well, Hey, they must be playing out of their minds and they're not really,
1: but everybody else is just so bad that it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a good point. You're right. Uh, it is weird with the West. You know what's weirder to me than that the West is, is down? And I realize these are like, you know, it's the other side of the coin. But it's just like how it's that the East is up. Like, I did not see the Knicks playing like this. Granted, Porzingis is just unbelievable. But, like, I didn't see the Knicks doing this. I thought Indiana would be better than people thought they would be. But, I mean, I, I, I didn't think that, like, Sabonis and Nola Depot would have this kind of impact and good for them. And, like, I didn't I didn't see Detroit being this good either. Right.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, you you look at the standings, and I mean, I think Detroit has surprised a lot of people. I'm less surprised about Detroit than most because two years ago, they were a 44-win team on the upswing, and you thought, okay, the next step's probably to win 46, 47 games as a young team that gets a little better with everybody back. Instead, everything went wrong last year, and they went 38, right? So if they just get back to where they were two years ago, they're probably a 45-46 win team, which is, you know, they're a little bit ahead of that pace right now, but that that's probably about where they end up in the mid-to-high 40s. Um, and Cleveland has struggled, but, like, you know, yeah, it's like Philly has you know, and healthy. Right. So they're, they've been really good. Uh, Indiana has been bad. Like Oladipo, you know, Victor Oladipo and Namanas Sabonis two two guys, Thunder fans and all about have been pretty good for the, the Pacers. They've been able to survive. Porzingis has been great for the Knicks, but like the weird thing about the East is that the teams that were supposed to be good have kind of struggled. I mean, Milwaukee has is, is, is lost a couple after making the, the Bledsoe trade. Cleveland? Charlotte's been really bad. Uh, Cleveland has been bad. Uh, Miami has been bad. Um, you know, that that's almost been the weird part to me. It's that, you know, I thought the conferences were kind of even coming into the season, but it's been these other teams that have really struggled. Uh, you know, the the teams that were supposed to be solid like Milwaukee and and Miami and Charlotte that have really struggled whereas some of these You know, other teams like Philly and and the Knicks and the the Magic and the Pacers have have really exceeded expectations.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. If Stan Van Gundy wins coach of the year, I will prefer this by saying I think Stan Van Gundy is an excellent coach. Uh, But if Stan Van Gundy wins coach of the year, it is going to show all of the stupidity that is behind voting for coach of the year. Now, I'm not saying that because I don't think he's doing a good job. I think he's doing a great job. But every year, we just give coach of the year to whichever coach like, exceeded expectations on the team more than anybody else. And it's this weird thing where like, the media thinks, like, well, we know everything. So if <laughs> we, we couldn't have possibly been wrong about this team. The only way is that we were right, and this coach did such a good job that it made us look wrong. And that's right. what the logic is when a team exceeds expectations. And it's so ridiculous because they they, sh- they really – you're right. Like you say like two years ago they were 44 and then last year everything went wrong. So Stan Van Gundy didn't have his best coaching season ever last year. I think he's a wonderful coach. I think he's a really, right. really good coach. Right. I love the guy. Right. Uh, but he didn't have a good job last year. So because they underplayed last year, now is he the coach of the year this year because they did a bad job last year. Right. Like if they had their natural progression and won forty seven last year, would he be in the conversation? Well, for Brad coach of the Stevens
0: year? is going to be coach of the year because his best player broke his leg.
1: And Brad Stevens is he's also a great. Amazing.
0: Coach, but like amazing. Yeah, but again, it's the kind of the same thing though. It's you know, he he's going yeah. to coach he's already got that award locked up. I'm not knocking these coaches. Both the guys we're talking about are great coaches. I'm
1: knocking the idiot logic behind all of this.
0: Well, I mean, look, there's idiot logic behind most of these awards, right? I mean, look at at the MVP award. I mean,
1: last year was the same thing. My least least favorite is Coach of the Month. Coach of the (laughs) the Month is absurd. Coach of the Month is the the stupidest award. And, And Executive of the Year is real close. Because if you ask anybody, what's the point of an executive? Their answer is... Well, it's really to have have foresight and look beyond just the singular year. So what's the award we'll give? Let's give an award for the year. <laughs> Shouldn't we be giving like the 2012 Executive of the Year in 2017? No. Like wouldn't that make more sense? It's so stupid. But Coach of the Month is just beyond. Co- Coach of the Month is, is ridiculous. I can't believe that that exists. And I can't believe that like they even thought to have that exist. Like wh- who said like, you know what we're really missing? We're missing a Coach of the Month.
0: That's that's quite a rant to end the pot on. I, uh, <laughs> I, my personal, uh, my personal most uh, least favorite award is the uh, the most improved player because uh, there just is no. There's no rationale for it at all. Like at least, hey, at least with Executive of the Year, usually it's like, oh, hey, like Sam Presti swung two great trades. The Thunder got a lot better. We're going to give him Executive of the Year. Or, uh, you know, like even even with the Coach of the Year war, like yeah, you could say that uh, you can say that uh, it, it's it's teams outperforming expectations. But at least it's generally, hey, this team really outperformed expectations. So we're going to give their coach credit for that. OK, whereas like there's nobody that can tell you what the criteria for most approved player is like. There's just hey, none.
1: Like nobody's got any idea what it is. Hey, don't 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 set this up just so you can knock my guy down my when he gets it this year.
0: Yeah. See, I mean, you could make an argument. He could get it. I don't I don't I don't, think I don't believe in sec-
1: I don't believe in second. Well, but that's guys.
0: the thing. That That's the thing. There is no. Like, these other awards at least have established some sort of, okay, like, it's logical that this guy wins the award, right? There's no logic to most improved player. None. You're absolutely right. Just like, oh, yeah, like, it could be one of 47 guys that got better this season. Which guys are going to be? (laughs) Like, right now, you could say Oladipo could win. You could say Sabonis could win. You could say Aaron Gordon could win. You could say Giannis could win the second year in a row. Uh, You could say Chris Porzingis could win. Um... You know, you could say Joel Embiid could win if he plays sixty games. Uh, you you could you could say thirty guys could win that award, and there's you wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't pick thirty guys for these other awards. You'd be like, oh yeah, thirty guys are like viable candidates for it. So, so if you're asking like uh, 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 that, that would be my if I could get rid of one award, it would it would not be the ones you mentioned. It would be Most Improved Player.
1: I still maintain that Julius Randall should have won most improved player during his second year. Cause his first year, he only played two minutes. So think about how much more value he provided during.
0: Year. Uh, that's great. That's great. All right. Well, with that, let me, uh, let me let you go. But Freddie, I appreciate you doing this man. Um, before you, uh, before you go though, just let people know uh, what you've got coming, if anything, and where, uh, and where they can find your work.
1: Yes, yeah, so you can find it, I write for Norman Transcript. You can you can do it on you can go to normantranscript.com dot com slash sports slash Thunder Road. That's our Thunder section. But no one goes to URLs. So you can just follow me on Twitter at Fred Katz F R E D K A T Z. Uh, I have two podcasts. I'm a man of two podcasts. I have a, I have a one that I do with three other thunder writers uh called the okc dream team which you can subscribe to on patreon patreon.com slash okc dream team i also do a post game show called thunder after dark which is very nefarious and uh you can subscribe on patreon to that too patreon.com slash thunder after dark and uh that's two dollars a month and uh the dream team one is four dollars a month
0: well there you go that's uh
1: definitely go check that stuff out it's uh
0: Good stuff and Freddie's hustling, so uh you should reward him for that. But thanks, uh, thanks for doing this, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I'll see you there.
0: Okay, thanks again to Fred for coming on. Be sure to follow his work on Twitter and in the Norman Transcript. He does a great job. Uh, i've known him since uh his days in New York when we were both there. Uh he's a really good writer, fun follow on Twitter. Uh, says a lot of ridiculous things. Is a, a funny dude, as you guys heard in that podcast. So definitely check him out. As for me, you can follow my work uh, on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA, in the pages of the Washington Post, uh, either in the newspaper in the printed version or online at WashingtonPost.com/sports. Please give the, the podcast a five star rating and review wherever you can find it: uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Radio Public, Google Play. Uh, iHeartRadio, maybe one or two others. It's all over the place, so go find it and give us a five-star rating interview. really helps us out a lot. Thank you to Glenn Yoder and the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Uh, It's a great band. Glenn is uh, the NBA editor at The Post, good friend of mine, loves hoops, and is in a fun band. I've heard them play in person, they're great. Uh, A lot of people have commented how much they like the music, so definitely go check that out and, and get some of their stuff and support those guys. Hopefully this podcast helped you get through some of your long Thanksgiving drive. Uh, wherever, or on a flight, if you're traveling somewhere. I wanted to give you guys something to listen to as you made your trips around the country. Hope everybody has a safe and happy holiday. Thanksgiving is my favorite day of the year because there's no presents involved. You just go have a nice meal with your your friends and family and enjoy yourself. So hopefully everybody gets to do that. And we'll be back probably uh, next week with a couple more podcasts, maybe Friday, but probably next week. But until then, thanks as always to everybody for listening. Again, have a great holiday. And we'll talk to you all again soon.